to a Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to have another interesting show. I surely hope you find it so. I will not be uh, bringing on a guest today, although the lines are open to anyone of you who would want to uh, share and make some comments or questions. So that number is 602 753-1860, but I'm going to be speaking about some broad brush subjects that actually involve us in so many ways, looking at a bit of human history, looking at our evolution and where we are today, looking at the way we conduct our society and our evolutionary potential. Oh, just little things like that. But, you know, I'll tell you, uh, we're dealing with such a complexity of issues, conflicts, and tensions this day on our planet that it is really up to us to have a, a larger view, the eagle's view, so to speak, a holistic perspective on what it is that is happening on the ground and actually, at this point, based on space activity, travel, as well as the arms race. Yes, yes, the arms race in space. Oh, yeah. Um, we really need to assess where we are as human beings and try to ground ourselves, no pun intended, in a way that will be purposeful, meaningful, and just chock full of humane, eco-sensitive values. Otherwise, it could well be that our species goes up in smoke. Those of you who listen with any regularity know that I often speak of either the sixth epoch coming our way, oh please, or the sixth extinction, which, well, uh, geologists and scientists have uh, five of them already documented, and we really don't want to go the way of the dinosaurs. And I do believe, based on research and faith, by the way, that we can avert a sixth extinction, and we can pull through this, even with the damage that has already been done, the tipping points that have already been passed relative to our environment, pollution, contamination, global warming, methane trapping, and the effects that this has had on the overall climate, systemic climate change, which is something that we are, I think, um, undeniably <laughs> got that climate deniers. How do you deny climate? <laughs> That's a funny phrase. Um, is undeniably happening. There are weather changes of a profound found sort these days, and you'd have to be blind not to see it. Of course, the argument in that regard is, well, the world is always, and the earth is always going through cycles, and this is yet another cycle. Well, you know, that is true. We are certainly always going through cycles. In fact, I've had uh, various experts on cycles come to speak with us about those said same cycles from Mayan elders and uh, 
to uh, those who have been studying cycles for some time, uh, such as uh, David Katzmeyer and Calorhythms and uh, others, uh, Ray Tomes we brought on once as well. And, um, you know, it's just something that has been a subject for a long time and acknowledge that here at Better Worlds. There's no problem with understanding the effects of cycles, but uh, that's not the issue. It's the anthropogenic aspect of the cyclical activity. Uh, What we have done in plain English that has caused so much issue with the environment and there's just no question that we have tampered and tinkered in our ways through our excessive dumping of chemicals, through our excessive use of fossil fuels, of cattle growing and methane uh, showing up across the planet. Just what happens? Just what happens? So, um, to say that we haven't had a role is just hogwash, embarrassing. Uh, yes, I meant to mention also Carl Kalaman, who's been a guest several times based on his uh, excellent research into the Mayan calendar, as well as cycles in general. Um, and uh, so we are all for acknowledging the role and actually understanding, appreciating, and utilizing the roles of cycles for our own uh, happiness and well-being, as well as guidance and awareness. Uh, So the issue isn't one of that, but of our role. And in that regard, I also like to say to people, that notwithstanding, I don't even want to enter into a conversation about whether climate change is generated by human activity or not. There is a level on which it doesn't matter. What does matter is our profound disrespect and dishonoring of Mother Earth, seeing her as essentially a commodity, as a resource distinct from as a living sentient being and intelligence that sustains our and all sentient lives' lives. That is a way of regarding her as Gaia, as Pachamama, uh, to the Quechua in South America. So once we do that, pollution, the contamination, the genetic engineering, all of this comes to an immediate halt. And I say that if that were to all of those items come to an immediate halt, well, so would the activity of climate change and global warming uh, slow down hugely, considerably, significantly. So just talk about this as a matter of contamination of our beautiful Mother Earth. And not only would the issues around climate change and global warming slow down, but our waterways would start to get cleaner, our soil would start to get healthier, our air would become more breathable, our hospital bills 
and illnesses would drop dramatically and we would be saving literally billions of dollars of dollars in respiratory uh care and a lot of our children who now have asthma bronchitis and other respiratory illnesses and immune compromised conditions would not have them and the fatalities would drop lives would be saved just from ending our addiction to looking at our dear planet as a garbage heap or as a uh, a resource to be exploited for the few. So what's simple is usually missed. Unfortunately, it is really quite simple in an otherwise rather complex world with humans with a rather complex psychology. And uh, those are the issues, truly, not our relationship to the earth, which could be and has been, indigenously speaking, rather simple and respectful and sacred. And with those qualities brought forth by us, we the humans, Things go smoothly, harmonious, harmoniously, flowingly. And when we drop those sacred virtues and qualities out of the picture, we get not heaven, but hell. And that is what we're experiencing right now. That is really what we're experiencing. We don't want to really think of it that way because it's painful. You know, and who wants to think that we've created given the choice of heaven on earth, that we've created hell on earth. It's just its just too disturbing to take responsibility and be accountable for this kind of thing. So we uh, make believe that it's other things, other items. It's not. Um, honestly, I came across this thing, the cynical arrogance. I don't really know who that is, but uh, a, a rather painful, uh, but no less largely truthful uh, post I read just today is this. I'll share it with you. Money is debt. Taxation is theft. The financial system is a pyramid scheme. Bank notes are IOUs. The food is toxic. Your water is poisoned. Schools indoctrinate your kids. The media is propaganda. Politicians lie to you. Legislative dictates are member-only corporate policies, the police instigate conflicts, courts are a racket, wars are for profit and control, councils are corporations, terrorist attacks are false flags, TV is a distraction, nature is being outlawed, licenses are a fallacy, power absent authority is tyranny. You live in an Orwellian, neo-feudalist, oligarchical, fascist system. Only slaves require permission. When are we going to admit this to ourselves? Ho, ho, that is rather devastating. And not 100% true, but what if it were 19? I mean, uh, I'm sorry, 9D, 9T, a 9-0, you know? 
and uh, it probably is somewhere near there. It's uh, if not 90, it's 85. If not 85, it's 80. But it's certainly way, way true. And it's like, what has happened here? How have things run so amok? Another interesting one is this. Now that we have learned to fly in the air like birds and dive in the sea like fish, only one thing remains, to learn to live on Earth like humans. <laughs> Again, it's the simple that eludes, isn't it? It is the simple, the straightforward. So, what do we do about these things? First of all, as per our website, abetterworld.tv, and if you do not yet receive our newsletter, please go there and sign up for it. It's free. It announces our weekly radio and television show here in Manhattan every Monday night at 7 p.m. It can be seen on television, community television, here in Manhattan, or it can be seen at abetterworld.tv by clicking at the top where it says, elusively, <laughs> watch here, and just click through, and you will get to the station. It's webcast, simulcast, with the airing in New York City, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And Wednesdays, of course, we have A Better World Radio at 6 p.m. here with me, Mitchell J. And we so appreciate your uh, presence and listening and tuning in. I know many of you listen um, as podcasts on your cell phone while you're at the gym working out or uh, driving or traveling or like that. And uh, whatever it is, it could be lying on your couch um, or exercising or sitting in your infrared sauna. Whatever it is, uh, your participation through listening and sometimes by calling and emailing us at mjr at abetterworld.net, that's mjr at abetterworld.net, is always so appreciated. Your feedback, your comments are really heartening for me, and it helps to guide me to provide you with a better show. And uh, we are so dedicated to doing just that. We are so dedicated to providing the tools for creating a better world for providing the values of a better world. So that's our game here. And uh, God knows we need a lot of help. And you are the ones that are being served. We're all being served. We're all you. We is us. (laughs) You and I is one. And that's really where we come from. And, you know, as it says on our website, we bring shows, writings, products, and events aimed at better living and consciousness. A Better World is committed to holistic, creative, compassionate media for the mind, body, and spirit. And that's really where we come from. And it's out of that that I offer a workshop twice a month, every other week in Manhattan, if you happen to be anywhere in the neighborhood or would like to be. We meet down at the TRS office suites on uh, Exchange Place, 40 Exchange Place, every other Monday. We just met this past Monday, and we'll be meeting again March 7th from 6 to 8, 40 Exchange Place on the third floor. The cost is only $40, and it's a 
just a dynamic group. Uh, we do some Qigong typically, sometimes some uh, meditation, usually of a Taoist sort like inner smile. We move through the organs. We build health by building qi, uh, life force in and through the body. Then we deal with different issues around stress management and relationships, conflict, how to mediate them, how to harmonize them, how to resolve them. So it's a, uh, we sort of ask the questions that are very difficult to ask and most difficult to reckon with in our ordinary lives. And this is a context of a lot of love and a lot of caring and a lot of intelligence where people share and I facilitate this group process. I also bring to bear the wisdom and intelligence of neuropsychology, neuroscience, neurophysiology, as well as quantum physics as it, uh, as it accords with conversations. I rely also on the work of uh, Ken Wilber and understanding the four quadrants and understanding something about perceiving ourselves and uh, the sort of uh, broad categories of our experience of interpret interpreting reality um, through certain lenses that will help us understand the whole and by so doing be able to progress along the path of life, this most interesting journey, both outwardly and inwardly. And that's the kind of games we play at A Better World, Heaven on Earth workshop, as well as, guess what? right here on the air, as I know many of you know who, uh, who listen with some regularity. So I wanted to say a few things about the state of our health and how it gets to be the way it is. Uh, needless to say, um, eating healthy organic food is one of the obvious uh, ways that we can uh, bring nutritious food and um, nutrients into our body. Drinking also healthy water and healthy drinks, smoothies, juices, and the like into our body. So, you know, food and water is rather obvious. Sunlight is something else that's very obvious, where it's vitamin D content, etc. There are a lot of nutrients we receive. Exercise, again, very obvious. We all should know all of these by now. Another very important one that is way too underemphasized is sleep, actual sleep. And that even means going unconscious. Uh, while I have experimented with uh, conscious sleep, so to speak, where one rests deeply down to theta and delta, it's very hard to stay conscious there. And I am not honestly convinced of the value of remaining conscious for every moment of our lives. <laughs> it sounds funny coming from a guy like me, but I'm not convinced that uh, the other dimensions we enter when we go into Delta shouldn't be done by closing the doors completely on this 3D world. And uh, unconscious sleep is one of the ways of doing it. Now, I'm not, you know, 
without further exploration in this. Um, but I just wanted to sort of float that one out by you. The most important thing is that we get some deep nightly, if not daily, rest. Uh, we had, I interviewed Ariana Huffington, oh gosh, about a year or two ago at this point, on the subject, she had a really serious crash around no sleep, and um, it really affected her health condition. And she wrote a book that had a lot to do with the importance of sleep and rest. And I, I really took it to heart. I mean, it wasn't that I didn't know that, but her story really helped to further imprint it. And because our society is so sort of uh, beta-oriented and uh, alpha male, go, 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 you know, the idea of sleep. What? Rest. Huh? What was that? Um, it's just marginalized. And in a healthy, rounded, holistic lifestyle, uh, we really want to acknowledge the idea of disappearing from the three-dimensional world, really disappearing, and giving the body that deep vegetative rest that it needs. We see it in all other species, and we are not an exception. And we know that there is the principle of yin and yang, and when we honor that sacred principle, we get these kinds of benefits of being able to be most active when we also give ourselves the benefit of being most rested and most peaceful. So the other aspect of the idea of health that I wanted to bring up has to do with our thinking and the way we think and the way our thoughts affect our body. Now, it's not a new idea, but it is an idea that also has been marginalized. And we give it some air time, ho-ho, no pun intended, but we don't really live by it. Because if we were to live by it, we would be much greater gatekeepers of what we allow to pass through our minds, uh, circulate in our minds, and come out of our mouths. Uh, because we'd be much more disciplined about these items. We'd be much more attentive to the energy behind the words, behind our thoughts, and the intentions behind them as well. Because all of these have their own respective biochemical profile. And it's not even that mysterious, but I will spell it out. First of all, you know that if you... Think about certain things, let's say, paying your mortgage. You may find a little twinge in your stomach. You might note a little contraction. Go, ugh, the bank, the interest rates. I'm feeling raped, pillaged, plundered, okay? And same thing with taxes. So we know that our mind is influencing our body all the time. If we continue with that thought process that I just spoke of or keep thinking about things that are creating some level of anxiety, 
we will ultimately have higher cortisol levels in our blood. Now, cortisol is a very wonderful hormone that when we are in the jungle, helps us get out of harm's way very quickly. And I am very glad that we have that as part of our human physiology. However, living the urban lives that we do and the semi-civilized lives that we do, um, since we're not being attacked by tigers, lions, or bears very often, the need for cortisol is also dramatically and commensurately reduced. Yet, because of the way we think, because we have not been really taught the importance of being mindful and aware of our thinking, we let our minds just go whatever way they do. And that actually wreaks havoc on our cellular life. It also uh, has an immune suppressing effect as well. It's sort of like, why uh, would we make these choices if we had another alternative? Well, the fact is that we do. But the first thing we have to do is become aware that our thoughts are having these kinds of impacts on our blood and our immune system and our body at large. That doesn't mean a large body, by the way. That just means body at large. That means our cellular life. That means cellular respiration and nutrition. The integrity of the cell is directly related to the integrity of the lives we lead and the clarity of mind, the awareness that we engage. Instead of being unconscious, these things, or just life as usual, well, I was raised that way, well, my mother always had these things to say about that, and had that to say about this, and oh yes, my father would always weigh in negatively and critically about this and that, and that and this, well, yeah, so we learned certain speech habits, patterns, certain thought habits and patterns, mental habits, emotional habits, feeling habits. But just because we learn them doesn't give them anything that's special unless we deem them in our adult conscious lives as important and something we want to cultivate and have as part of our lives. Otherwise, it's time for the trash bin, you know, the recycle compost bin because we can see now, we have the science, the work of Candace Pert and the molecules of emotion, the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton, cellular biologist, who has taught us the effect of belief systems, that is our mental, emotional, psycho-emotional cycle has on our cellular life. We can either be healthy by our thoughts or we can be made ill by our thoughts. Well, if you keep keep pursuing this logic, you come to some pretty interesting understandings. Well, if we can make ourselves sick through our thoughts, guess what? That's right. We can also make ourselves well. 
Now, I just came from the West Coast, where I had the delight of spending uh, nearly a week with Dr. Joe Dispenza, who, if any of you have seen What the Bleep Do We Know, that genre-breaking film uh, going back, oh my God, was that 2005? Not really sure right now, uh, but something like that. Uh, It was a film, and he was one of those featured speakers among many quantum physicists and neuropsychologists and the like, who spoke about the effect of the mind on the brain and the mind on the body. And while we kind of, as I say, refer to these things uh, in general, in passing, when you start to really bear down on it and kind of get into the guts of it, no pun intended, you start to see that gee, there really is something to it. And in these workshops that I've attended of his, and I've seen it elsewhere, but it's particularly evident with the people who are doing his special kind of approach, uh, people who have been in long-term stress, long-term chronic pain, have been, through diligence, through being mentally disciplined, have been able to build a new neural network. You could say a new self, a new self that is not in pain. And they extinguish the electrical activity of the old self, that is, let's just say, the older neural network, build the new one. Yes, there are plenty of brain cells to start a whole new self or two. Ah, uh, yes, I I get the joke. It's as though we're becoming schizophrenic or multi-personality. Yeah, that's right. You know what? So what? If someone is dying through one of their selves and has a chance to live through the other, multiple personality could be a very life-saving thing. So uh, another thing to um, look at, and there's, They've actually done some really interesting experiments on multiple personalities and the way they have managed to uh, be healthier than many other people in our society because one of those personalities is oftentimes a healer and can heal the other aspects of the person. Oh, I'm laughing only because it's it's kind of amusing when you compare and contrast the way we've been raised and what we've been raised to think. And with a little bit of research, we find that it is so often incorrect or partial or it omits so much that is essential to understanding the way we work. And the way we work is really largely through our mind. And our mind is intimately connected with our heart. So don't think by any means that I'm excluding, not at all. In fact, I say the heart is really part of the nervous system. It's part of the electrical system of the body. That's the way I think about the heart. And it's the higher level of intelligence. Uh, The prefrontal cortex, of course, is the crowning cortex. But the heart is right there, virtually parallel with it. And it is its own autonomous brain, making its own decisions 
and has some 40,000 or so neurons, neuroreceptor sites right there that have their own conversations with the rest of the body. Cellular communication. It's really interesting. So when you get all of our brains working, including the survival brain, the sex brain, the uh, uh, power brain, the solar plexus, the heart brain, as I'm talking about, the throat, the temple, the third eye, and the crown of it all, you're really in some pretty intense dialogue. And at uh, this last workshop with Joe, there were some neuroscientists there that were showing us the results of brain mapping. That was just fascinating. We can actually see if a person is intuitive. We can measure heart and mind coherence. We can tell if somebody is clairaudient or clairsentient or clairvoyant through what what regions of the brain are being activated. So what was happening is that we were being invited to develop a new neural network around certain areas of our lives that we wanted to see developed. In some cases, it was healing. There was one woman who was a nurse, for instance, who worked in the ER, and one fine day, she was trying to help a fellow nurse lift a rather large out of the bed, and both collapsed on her, literally crushing some of her vertebra and causing her immeasurable pain. Well, after a number of surgeries, after a countless number of uh, pain-numbing medications, after acupuncture even, and physical therapy and chiropractic, all of which helped in some degree. None of them solved the problem. But when she heard about mind-body activity and the way to activate the mind over the body mm -hmm, in conjunction with and as master, she started to apply these principles as described in this case by Joe Dispenza. And it took her quite a while. This was not a quick fix, folks. I was not trying to imply that it was. It wasn't. And there were many times during the journey that she felt like giving up, did not want to do it, had crises of faith, doubted the whole thing, but still kept going. She would experience an elevated state through contemplating gratitude, contemplating love of her spouse, of her children, of life itself of God, whatever moves one most. And with that elevated state, to begin to see oneself, sense oneself as one wants to be. It, these neurons begin to fire together and wire together, as the Canadian psychologist taught us many years ago whose name I've just forgotten. Um, and, but we begin to build a new neural network. 
Now, when we're young, we have some 250,000 neurons coming online in our brain per minute. And the next job that we have is to begin to connect them together. It's a big job, and it's exciting. It can be done in any number of ways. One of the ways, one of the ways to actualize human potential is through this kind of neural network building for one's own healing, for one's own maturation, for one's own realization of even material benefits, as it were, um, the generation of financial abundance, the generation and cultivation of a life partner or less than life, what have you, um, the generation of um, objects. And, I mean, it's remarkable to hear the stories. And when you're in a context like that, you're dealing with people who are, in fact, breaking through the ordinary conventional ideas of what's possible. So it becomes incredibly exhilarating to listen to and hear what people are doing inside themselves, inside themselves, to become another, higher, I would say, more evolved human being with greater access to their own health, joy, happiness, and well-being. And yes, it can be done through exertions, true exertions, mental, disciplined exertions of the mind on and for and through the brain, then the body. As it is now, and Joe reminds us a lot of, that our mind has been buried in the body. Our body has, through habituation, really taken over the mind, and the mind is no longer leading. Now, the body's ability to learn through the mind is fantastic, and it has all sorts of benefits, such as driving, for instance. Can you imagine having to relearn to drive every time you get behind the wheel? But our body learns it through our mental habits to start with, and our body memorizes it, and it becomes what we refer to as second nature. This is great. This is great. However, if all of our lives become second nature, if all of our lives becomes on, become on automatic, autopilot, well, what the hell is that about? Where are we in that mix? Well, we're lost in that mix. And we will tend always toward what is familiar. That becomes our default position. And creativity and adventure become marginalized. That's not the kind of life we want to live. Just the opposite, in fact. We want to be aware. We want to be conscious. We want to be making decisions actively. We want to be proactive in our lives. Because after all, the world needs us, needs us desperately to be conscious and to be able and to be smart and with it and on the ball. Because if we're going to turn around not just our bodies, but our entire society, the body of our society, we sure as hell have to have ourselves together. And um, I personally feel that this work 
that Joe has been putting forward so diligently, really humbly for so long now, uh, is one of the key ways. I know I use his work for my own personal self as well as uh, in my counseling and coaching work with people and my uh, my workshops, my teaching, because it's, uh, it's a powerful influence. He's a great mentor for me, and I appreciate both the mystical side of it, the multidimensional side of it, as well as the scientific and his his uh, his commitment to um, measuring changes in brain function, in brain and heart coherence, and cellular activity, as well as energy fields. And uh, he's got the team of scientists to come and do this at his workshop. So hurrah, hurrah, and really, really kudos to Joe Dispenza for his own sense of accountability um, and responsibility for being a real game changer, really uh, an adventurer and a um, a breakthrough artist. I like that. I feel that that's very much what he's doing, and he's helping a lot of people as, as a result. So as I was telling you about this nurse who is in dire straits of chronic pain, for some time, seeing no way through it. She stuck with the program. She stuck with the elevated state and the sensing of the person she wanted to be, which in this case was pain-free. And there was a day that she forgot her medication in her purse, and she was walking along, and she said, my God, I'm pain-free. This is incredible. The story's got a couple of more, um, you know, bumps and and, and nooks and crannies in it, but I'm going to go right to the end. She found herself pain-free and didn't believe it and wondered. She kept the medication by her bedside, thinking that, oh, this is a fluke. Today I'm pain-free, but tomorrow it'll be back raging the way it always does. I mean, she was hardly able to sleep more than half an hour at a time. Well, tomorrow came, and the same thing. No, and she has been pain-free ever since. In fact, the entire workshop almost opened up with one woman from Peru who had been in a car accident. And again, she was racked with pain. And so much so that even the pain medication was no longer reaching her. It was no longer changing her condition. It was awful. She, too, was not even able to sleep. And she, too, tried everything. Her husband, God bless him, dragged her to one of these workshops up from Peru, no less, up to somewhere in the United States. And... And even when she got to the United States, she didn't want to leave the hotel room because she was in such discomfort and pain. But her husband, I don't know if he lifted her or (laughs) nudged her, but brought her to the class. She sat and she listened and she got it and she practiced it. She didn't believe it. It seemed like woo-woo. 
she tried again anyway. She had very few options, i.e. none. And so she kept applying, applying, applying. Didn't believe, didn't believe, didn't believe. And then one day, as a result of a tremendous amount of discipline, and I really want to, you know, underscore that, she emerged pain-free. And she couldn't believe it. She was incredulous. She had her husband like tap her body to make sure that the back pain that she had learned to live with, barely live, uh, was really gone. But age, and she was just weeping from happiness that this actually happened. So these are just a couple of the kind of stories that one hears in these contexts. And I want to create an environment, not just here at A Better World, not just there at Joe Dispenza's workshops, but in our community at large that takes miracles as the norm, that we create a, uh, a larger world view of what is possible in a quantum universe. We know by law, by the law of physics and mathematics, that what I'm saying has validity. We have it, even without that, do have. We have it through people's personal stories, the so-called famous anecdotes that Western medicine dismisses. Well, if the person is better, it is real. If the person's life has improved, we win. So that harkens back to uh, two books that Joe wrote. Well, three, actually. Evolve Your Brain, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, and um, You Are the Placebo. And each of them reiterates the same theme of our ability through the reality of neuroplasticity, through the reality that mind exerts uh pressure, if you will, on the brain, and the brain in turn instructs the body, or in the Chinese, the E moves the Qi, and the Qi moves the body. The E is the mind, and it moves the life force, and the life force moves. Uh, we see the same basic notion reiterated historically and culturally, and I feel that it's incumbent upon uh communication systems such as this, our media, a better world media, to create an environment, an atmosphere, where this kind of process can proliferate. Say that ten times quickly. This process can proliferate. And in that way, we're increasing, you know, the bar. We're lifting the bar of what's possible. And when we talk about such things as healthcare in our society, it's such a joke because all they're really talking about is the price of drugs and surgery and hospital stays. I just, I mean, it's almost unbelievable to me that people with full brains and oftentimes high IQs are allowing themselves to devolve to that kind of conversation instead of a conversation that says, Healthcare 
is actually self-care. And if we eat well and we drink well and we exercise well and we manage stress well and we rest well and we think and feel well, we're going to be well. And the number of drugs and the number of surgeries and the number of hospital stays is going to be so dramatically reduced, it is a complete, complete game changer. Now, I don't remember ever hearing Obama get up and say, if you want the best health care, take care of yourself. Stop drinking Coca-Cola and soft drinks. They should just call them sugar drinks. You know, stop eating all of the crazy fast foods that are out there, fried foods and everything else. And, um, you know, develop healthy habits. And that goes for mental and emotional habits too. In fact, I'm saying that those habits are either the most potentially uplifting or devolving and denigrating of our overall health and well-being. That's right. Uh, The way we manage stress or the way we are plagued by excess stress or distress actually exerts a more potentially helpful or dangerous effect on human biology than even eating bad food and drinking bad drinks. You know, that sounds radical, but, you know, I think that there's really the science that bears it out. But you see, the way the human mind works in our Western society is, well, gee, maybe I can get away with being less mindful about my nutrition or about my exercise or about my rest. And that's not what I'm saying at all. Not at all. I'm saying be mindful of everything. Do everything correctly as best as one can. And of course, we do this and we do that. We have varied lives and we get invited out to various dinners and um, special events and all of that. And you do what you do. is You're mindful and you can access the higher vibratory rate. Now we're really getting down to it when you access the higher vibratory rate, then you can digest and metabolize almost anything in a more robust and efficient way. And that even goes for toxic things. Now, do you want to do that? Of course not. Who needs to expend that amount of energy in order to just counteract uh Toxic matters, you know, it's just not wise whatsoever, you know. Um, The health of the colon as well is so important in the whole game. Having a clean, clear, empty colon and having it not empty of excellent probiotics. And this is our immune system, folks. It's in our gut. And we've got ample evidence to that effect now. It's been a really interesting breakthrough in the last... uh, number of years where this kind of information is becoming more and more abundant in the scientific literature. And it's just fascinating because it's so contrary, again, to what we've been conditioned to believe. And doctors have been conditioned to believe. 
And when we, why are doctors being conditioned to believe anything? If medicine is a science, it's not involved in belief. We see the more we probe that it is actually a series of beliefs. It's not much science at all. And, you know, science is its own belief system, too, by the way. And uh, it's one that has certain measures to it and certain variables that when we control them, we sort of reduce the belief and increase the science. Uh, But even science has some overall pervading belief system attached to it, or assumptions, I should say. And and that's okay. There's nothing, not a problem with that. But it's just as long as you are aware of the assumptions you're making and they aren't unconscious and just simply hanging in the space because uh, they're unconscious. So, am I making sense to you? I sure hope so. What we're seeing is that we are responsible for our states of mind and our states of body. And when we mind the store, when we mind our awareness, yes, and we mind our brain, we can maintain a healthier body, we can heal our body, and we can actually start to live lives much more aligned with our image of what it is we would like our lives to look like. How cool. And let me tell you, There's a lot to do because right now we are living in a world that has made money and power God. And this is a serious problem. These are the tenets of our contemporary 21st century religion. And um, we're all suffering as a result. And our minds are skewed because money has become more important than anything. I kind of hearken back when thinking about this, of uh, to Enron. You know, Enron was essentially a shell company. It sort of owned nothing but office space and uh, some ideas. But it, was, it really didn't have any assets to speak of, yet it acted as though it did. Now, brokerage is a, a legitimate business of any domain in any area, any field. That's okay. And it was doing that. But it pretended to be a lot more than what it really was. And it spun off a lot of thoughts in a lot of directions through pretend. It even got all the way up to the White House. And a meeting uh, of uh, Ken Lay with his buddy Dick Cheney and a few other hotshot energy executives for some closed-door meetings at the very beginning of that administration's tenure in the White House. And, uh, yeah, don't worry. The uh, files from those meetings have been destroyed to protect the guilty. But that was such a shadow organization. And yet millions of dollars were being generated and millionaires were being generated. And... In our society, even after a collapse, people would say, oh, my God, what a company. They made more millionaires than any company in in American history. And it holds a place. 
just like Donald Trump today holds a place, despite his handful or so of bankruptcies, despite the fact that he has displaced so many people for eminent domain, even though he talks about, and Jeb Bush talked about only one, he has been horrible to deal with by many say in business. Um, His ethics are in the toilet. And yet this country is now infatuated with this fellow and for all of the wrong reasons. And they think because he's a billionaire, and I'm not sure that he is, or if he is, he is so marginally that, you know, when you look at the uh, P&L, the asset liability sheet, I'm not so sure he quite cuts it. But, you know, leave that aside for the moment. Um, Nonetheless, they're impressed with air, with vapor. It's the emperor, again, without clothes. But this is how sick our society has become, that they are impressed. I mean, what do they think? They're gonna, he's going to put the American middle class on his payroll? I mean, it doesn't make sense. And, well, the anthroposophical teachings talk about the glamours, the glamours of our lives, that we are impressed with shiny objects, whether it's in somebody's hair or their ears or their lips or their gowns, their rings or their cars. It's all glitz and glamour. And if we can get down to essentials again, get down to what's core in a human being, what's important on the level of heart and soul, That's where we're going to have the best time. That's where we're going to have the most growth. That's where we're going to see the greatest evolution. And that's what we need, my friends, because right now, based on the uh, preoccupation with glitz and glamour and glitter, we are going down the tubes fast. And thankfully, thankfully, there are many people across the world that are doing awesome things to hold each other's hands and help them across a new life. That's happening in villages across Africa and Asia and elsewhere in the United States, the Americas, and Europe. There are code housing communities. There are organic farms. There's urban farming and gardening, there's aeroponics and hydroponics developing everywhere. More people are actually eating these days than has been in the past. There have been organizations like the Hunger Project to help support that. There's the Pachamama Alliance to help to support the environment and um, social justice. There are, according to Paul Hawken, author of The Ecology of Commerce and Blessed Unrest, literally millions of organizations that are rising up and doing on-the-ground wonderful tasks. My, my friend Swami Padna, Padma from the Shivananda Yoga Organization moved to Kenya and 
he is working with a group of people there building out a community. And he's got virtually no funding. I don't know how he does it, but they are all working. And with a ton of elbow grease and a couple of shekels, they are making headway. They're planting gardens. They're planting farms. They're building shelters. They're protecting the uh, gardens and the farms from wild animals that would otherwise attack. They're just doing wonderful, wonderful things on a dime. And this is but one example of literally so many that are taking place. So one can really be hardened by this. And I will really say, and uh, one of the points I wanted to make is that we've gone so wayward by making money the God and the King above and beyond human values. And uh, there's been so much written about it now, and I am a major supporter and advocate of bringing humane values into the workplace and keeping them there and safety. Uh, And by the way, I think personally that a lot of it could be done without the need for unions. Oh, that might sound controversial, but I think if people were to remain on the humane uh, level, then we would be, uh, through empathy, understanding each other's situation. And we would say, of course, we want to provide. And uh, CEOs wouldn't be making hundreds of times what the factory worker is making. That's absurd. We've glorified the CEO. And this, again, is ridiculous. It's just it's just ridiculous. And we can have a much more tempered, cooperative, peer-related kind of cooperative corporation. And uh, there are examples that abound with this, actually, as well. Um, just thinking of Michael Moore's film, uh, Capitalism, A Love Story. I don't know if you've seen that, but there's an example of the CEO in one California company that was on the uh, the factory floor along with all of his workers. And Michael Moore posed the question, how come you don't have a fancy office with a window looking out over the city? And he said, why should I? I'm just the CEO. I'm doing my role just as everyone else here is doing theirs. I'm not more important. I'm just essentially differently important we all have our respective roles here so it can work as a whole different roles for a greater whole and uh, when it came to pay scale said I'm paid the same as everybody else I don't know why I should be getting more why I have a different title that should entitle me to more money I don't think so so There are breakthroughs in consciousness, and the inflation of the sea level is changing in some instances. Not enough, not fast enough. That's why people like Bernie Sanders I am so aligned with in so many ways. Not all, but many. And even more so, Jill Stein, Dr. Jill Stein, Harvard University physician and uh, presidential candidate for the Green Party. She's been on our airwaves before and we'll be getting her again. Rocky Anderson, who's not running this time, 
but he's the former mayor of Salt Lake City, and many of you who listen over time have heard him here. I was on his national steering committee uh, back in 2012, uh, helping him uh, run successfully for president. Well, uh, it's also skewed that wasn't going to happen, but we wanted to make an inroad and help to support third-party politics, which uh, if you watch CNN, MSNBC, or any, any standard commercialized news, you wouldn't know that there were third parties that even existed. You would not know. But they do. And so here again, we need to bring equality, a balanced view, not the Fox balanced view, but a real balanced view to the body politic. And it's, again, I don't know. I just feel it's so easy. It's just, it's not hard. It's, again, breaking a mental habit. It's breaking this habit that more is better instead of quality is better and that humanity is better and the well-being of all is better. That's better. It really is. It is better. It's a higher value. It's a higher human value and a higher priority. And when you take care of humans this way, the dividends are limitless. That's the, let's say, employees. They want to do all the more because it's our impulse to be creative and productive and to do meaningful work. Work is essentially sacred activity. And when you're being loved at it and acknowledged for it, you're going to keep going and do more. And let's not forget the European style of having meals at lunch with family and breaking and stopping work altogether. That's another dimension. And I mentioned Michael Moore. I'm going to mention him again. If you have not yet seen uh, his latest film, oh, my God, uh, Where Do We Invade Next? It is hilarious, as you'd imagine. And it's so funny and imaginative and truthful. Basically, I'm not going to give it away, but he does go to other countries and interviews people about their educational system, about their health care system, who pays for each, what do they get for it. I mean, it's enough. You'll crack a rib when you see what is going on elsewhere. And to hear these, I, I've got to say, I, I don't like speaking badly about people, but these people in Congress oftentimes, mainly the Republicans, they are true idiots. They are uninformed, uneducated, and running their own personal material agenda that they disguise with their evangelical, oftentimes, or fundamentalist or Christian values. And they're lying to you and to me. They're lying. It's not true. They don't embrace those values at all. All And we will find that the highest levels, I have come to understand, of childhood, child abuse, emotional, physical, and sexual, happens in these Christian fundamentalist homes, these sort of puritanical outlets. And this is what we see. We see a 
tremendous amount of alcoholism, and we see a lot of childhood, uh, child molestation, abuse, and sexual abuse. Go figure. Go figure. And if anybody listening has statistics to the contrary, please bring them on. I want to hear them. I want to see them. But that is what I have come across myself, and that is the only reason I'm sharing it with y'all. So you get a real picture of what's what. And along that same line, and I've mentioned this before, the statistics also show that the terrorism, a very strange word that we've become habituated to, shows up more in this country since 9-11, perpetuated by white Christian men than by blacks or by Middle Eastern, Easterners, Arabs, all right? That's the mainstay. By the way, the preponderance is huge. It's not neck to neck. It's enormous disparity between who's doing what in what is referred to as terrorism in our own very U.S. of A. So this gives you a picture of how skewed and distorted the information we receive through standard media channels. That's why it's important to help support alternative media. We're alternative because they won't let us on the uh, regular airwaves and in some ways we don't really want to be there because then we become beholden to the same corporate masters that they are and they can't they don't speak the truth because really they can't i have a feeling there are a lot of news anchors and the like who would love to and some of them have defected to alternative media so they can but uh we want to take all of this into account facts are that there is an explosion of what are called social enterprise companies that are completely dedicated to human, humane values, humanitarian values in the workplace through the structure of the company itself and eco-sensitive values where they recycle everything. They are using pure materials. Uh, they are um, being energy efficient on and on. They are using renewable energy when they can. Solar, wind, geothermal, uh, microhydro. These things are showing up big time across our country and across the world. So do not be thrown that we're just going to the dogs. It's not true. If you watch standard media again, oh, you think that, you know, we're in our last days, the end days, especially with Trump gaining as he is. But uh, um, there is so much more action happening among people, building their own forms of democracy on a village level, building local economies. This is where the action is, folks. And this is where I really invite you all to begin thinking or continue thinking about sustaining local economies, building local village life again, 
We're not leaving the global completely. The Internet is global, and God bless it. You know, we're not leaving it, but we can be diving from it to varying extents. We can be conscious of the way we spend. We vote more with our dollar than we do at the ballot box. The ballot box is fixed and it's rigged, and you all really know that. And if you don't, let me tell you, um, electronic voting allows for flipping the vote as it happened many times, most notably, I would say, in Florida in 2000 with uh, Bush and Gore. Gore won the won Florida, and he won the popular vote. And by dint of that alone, he should have been put into the White House. But based on a series of shenanigans that no one better than Greg Pallas in his The Best Democracy Money Can Buy book um, outlines, we are in trouble. Then if you look at just the very existence of the Electoral College, that in itself lets us know that democracy does not exist. The importance of voting is completely skewed. We, our vote does not put in a president. Does not. And we have to remember this. We have to change the system is really what we have to do. The Electoral College, the delegates, determine the presidency. Or in the year 2000, the Supreme Court did. Holy, holy, out of its jurisdiction and constitutional position. Holy. And who's going to blow the whistle on that? No one has blown the whistle. Otherwise, that would never have happened. And to this day, I'm sad that Gore gave in. It's not that I'm such a big fan of his. But I do believe that the world would have been a very, very different and a very much better place. Very much better place. Someday I'll learn English. Um, if he would have actually been president. And along that same line, I had the pleasure of listening to Oliver Stone, Academy Award winning uh, filmmaker, talk about Henry Wallace, who was FDR's vice presidential candidate. Um, and Secretary of Agriculture. And there again was a real mensch. They are there. There are real menches in office. And uh, they just get bypassed and they get uh, marginalized, unfortunately, for the, uh, the jokers to really rule the day. Dennis Kucinich was another one. Russ Feingold was another. Alan Grayson is another. You know, there really are. Uh, Conyers is another. There are real men, and there have been wonderful women who occupy the halls of Congress. It's just, how many? How many are there? And how many real you know, men and women of character and integrity are there? Certainly not enough. But I want you all, please, to take heart, to realize, that we are going in a bumpy but a positive direction. And I know the chips are down in many ways, but we have the power inside ourselves through our own neural setup and structure to change the world. And many are doing it. They start 
with their own mind and their own lives and their own body and they move out from there to change communities, build communities, upgrade and evolve communities. And I know the water table is rising. I know fracking is still legal, yet unethical. I know it's destroying our water table. I'm aware of so much. The nuclear arms race is still growing instead of shrinking and and disappearing. I'm aware of Flint, Michigan. I'm aware of the power structure in the world and who calls the shots and who does not, but is given the appearance of calling them. I'm aware. And because of, my way of putting it, neuroplasticity, human ingenuity, creativity, intelligence, humor, and the ability to shift proportion and values and take what's big and make it small and make what's small big and shift things around in our consciousness and change perspective and the work that's needed to be done, I do believe that if we continue forward, step by step, we can take a few quantum leaps in the shorter term that's going to change this situation around. Let's do what we can do. We're in this together, folks. As Jesse Jackson said, we all may have taken different boats over here, but we're all in the same boat now. So on that note, I want to just thank you all for listening. Please share these commentaries with your friends and family. Um, I want to just uh, remind you of Dr. Jill Stein again. Just Google her. Go to the Green Party and check it out. and You'll see an even more balanced perspective uh, that goes worldwide and goes deep and uh, than even Bernie Sanders. That includes the policy perspective of the Green Party. And it's, uh, it's really a new wave. Don't get me wrong. I really do love Bernie. He's a strong player in so many ways. He's a man of integrity, a man of heart. It's very obvious. And I really have great, great affection for him and appreciation of him. But we really want to talk about getting down to it. Um, going the next step to third-party endorsement and someone as strong a candidate as Jill Stein, Dr. Jill Stein. I think you'll see what I mean. In any event, I want to open you all up to that as well as to the hope and the faith that we all need to conjure to make a go of this in a very powerful, profound way as a collective. Also, in closing... I just want to let you know that I work with individuals, couples, and uh, families for helping to turn these units of community around, whether it's in their business life, their their uh, personal lives, um, their family lives, their intimate lives. I run workshops in New York and would gladly do so in other parts of the country, which I have done uh, this past uh, fall in Chicago, out on Long Island, in Connecticut, upstate New York. I've run workshops also in Holland um, and Sweden. So, um, you know, the door is open. 
if you would like, contact me at mjr at abetterworld.net. That's my direct personal email address, mjr at abetterworld.net. We are looking to raise money as a 501c3, newly founded, recently founded, and that helps us move forward with the important work that we're doing to awaken and create a better world. So your contributions are so appreciated. Uh, They can be made at our website, www.abetterworld.tv. There's a PayPal button there, and if you would send it as family and friends, uh, that would be best if you're going to use PayPal, or if you would like to make a more sizable donation or legacy of any sort, contact me through the uh, email address mjr.betterworld.net, and we'll talk about means of doing so. We also um, offer uh, sponsorships and give recognition to those people who make sizable donations. So please bear us in mind and know um, and we are doing everything we can to build a better world. We also need some more video uh, interns for editing and filming. So if you're anywhere in the New York area and would like to participate as an intern, we welcome it. So just again, get in touch. On that note, I just want to thank you all again for being part of this endeavor and pass this on to your friends. Join our uh, email list. It's free at abetterworld.tv, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.